On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We're a very unique program. There's very few that do what we do. It's a nationally recognized painter training program, now training U.S. military members across the country. A West Branch attraction is looking to remodel and expand. And in our business profile, you'll hear about a Central Iowa company that collaborates with businesses to deliver a unique product via exact specifications. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of August 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. A group based at the University of Northern Iowa received a new contract this summer to provide training at 20 U.S. military sites across our country. It's known as the Star 4D program. Chris Lampy is program manager. Star 4D stands for the Spray Technique Analysis and Research for Defense. The Star 4D program started around 2003, and we are part of the Iowa Waste Reduction Center at the University of Northern Iowa. So Star 4D is a program that provides painter training and corrosion-related activities for the Department of Defense, but yet we fall under one of the university's umbrella programs. And we've talked to folks from the Iowa Waste Reduction Center previously. What is unique about the protocols that you've developed in terms of being good for the environment, first of all, but also being something that would pass muster with the Department of Defense, I guess I'll say for lack of a better (laughs) description? The Department of Defense, as you know, in the military is quite large, and they have a lot of facilities that do a lot of corrosion-related or painting-type activities. They have stringent requirements on the coating film thicknesses, and these coatings cost quite a bit of money. So they're not only interested in getting a more consistent film thickness, will then make that aircraft or ship or tactical vehicle last longer out in these harsh environments out in the field, but there's also environmental benefits that go along with it. You know, the more coating that you're applying and more consistently on these parts and these vehicles, the better they're going to last and the less actual coating that's being applied, less that's being wasted. There's benefits on less air emissions being released out in the atmosphere, less hazardous waste generation rates. It's kind of for us, we have environmental benefits for this training. And then also for them, there's potential cost savings. And so it's kind of a win-win for everyone. And it is something that is unique, correct? I mean, this is a proprietary protocol that you folks have developed that makes it efficient, not just for a government agency as large as the Department of Defense, but the smallest business that might need the same sort of anti-corrosive application. That is correct. So we've developed a lot of tools and technologies and our presentations and our instructors that give this training. Um, You're right, not only applies just to the DOD, but also can apply to, you know, agricultural manufacturers that may paint tractors or, you know, here in Iowa or anyone else from small manufacturers to large manufacturers. We've seen a big demand in the last few years for companies coming to us, non-military saying, how do we train our workforce, we have a hard time finding new employees to do the work. Like a lot of other industries is having difficulty, right? So with our tools and our technologies and our training curriculum, you know, we don't have to use military coatings. We can train them on their industrial products. And in a short amount of time, you can take someone who's never painted to hopefully, you know, within a week or two, be able to do the job. 
What is unique about applying this as opposed to, quote-unquote, just painting? Because that's one of the things where I imagine there are people listening who say, well, I can paint. What is different about this so that it's done correctly? So instead of using a spray can or a rattle can or a paintbrush to apply this, they're using spray equipment you know, that may cost several thousand dollars and different pumps, those sort of things to apply this coating. So it has to be atomized or sprayed at a real fine mist in order to get a, a good quality finish. Much like you would see in your automotive industry when you're painting you know, vehicles, it has to be applied much more precision. Um, you don't see a lot of people that go out and paint their own vehicles, for, for instance, right? You need specialty equipment to do this. And oftentimes it takes uh, some good training to how to properly optimize the spray equipment to paint it more efficiently. When you mentioned automobiles, it struck me growing up, my family's automobile business, and there was what we called a paint booth. Well, the paint Mm -hmm. booth was simply an area where the guy painted the cars. That was before we worried about such things as fumes. And I recall we had to discontinue that process because of the safety measures. And it wasn't from a cost-benefit standpoint. It was a small operation. It wasn't worth it. But that's another part of this, isn't it? In order to make sure that we are safe for the environment, but also the folks doing the application of material. Correct. You're exactly right. And so these spray environments or spray booths that the painting is often done in is highly regulated. Each booth or each facility is eliminated on how much coating that they, that facility or that booth can spray on a given year or even a monthly or daily basis. And so a lot of times on those heavily regulated areas, not just in Iowa, but across the United States, they're very interested in in not wasting that material, right? The more efficient your trained workforce is, the more coating that's being applied the less air emissions or or volatile organic compounds or hazardous air pollutants that are going out that paint booth stack and into the air. So that's why the training aspect comes into it. And a better trained workforce, in theory, should be, you know, more environmental conscious or waste less. Now, there's a new contract, which is one of the reasons why we remembered to talk to you about this program. There's a new federal contract, and it means your team is going to be doing training on the road quite a bit. That is correct. And so we recently um, received a contract to provide our Starfordy painter training services all throughout the country. And so myself and my team will be traveling over the next year to provide our Starfordy training offsite at facilities. Could be in Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, California, you name it. And so we'll send our instructors offsite to do the training. And usually it's more efficient that way because you can send, say, one or two instructors offsite to do the training rather than send, you know, 20 people to us for the training. So it's more cost effective that way. It also pays benefits, I would assume, in that it's one thing to bring these people into your controlled setting. But Mm. then when they go to their setting, it's not exactly the same. Much better for your trained instructors to adapt specifically for their physical site. That's got to be much more efficient in terms of actually having a successful training. Correct. And so a lot of times when we're at these facilities, we're working around their production schedules, which is obviously production is number one. You know, once you run through the training curriculum of the, of the presentations and our 3D virtual reality simulator, then you're going into the spray booth environment and actually spraying or practicing on their actual components, whatever it may be. So it could be a, a UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter or components of that helicopter then that you could go in and practice on. So you're not actually just doing a training course and spraying flat panels. You're actually spraying on complex shapes and and components that those painters would do on an everyday basis. 
How did the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, in essence, get into this line of work, this particular uh, emphasis some two decades ago? Sure. So we had looked at uh, some facilities, some body shops back in the mid-90s, which predates my time. We looked at two different similar body shops, and one was producing uh, nearly twice as much waste as one of the other shops. And we found that came down to one of the technicians was really conscious on saving material, not wasting coating, not wasting paint. Uh, was only mixing what he or she needed. It was more environmental focused on that and then realized those cost savings that go along with it as well. And we found another body shop was producing almost twice as much waste. And it was probably going to be out of business in a number of years. And so through that uh, led to some other EPA studies, uh, looking at the efficiency of different spray equipment and different painters and, and figuring out, okay, you know, is there formal training protocols in place for some of these individuals? And sometimes there are, and sometimes there's not. Usually today in the automotive field, you do find most of those individuals are doing a really good job and are properly trained. Those in the in industry and military, although they may find a lot of individuals that are doing a really good job, you'll find some who are maybe new to the job or just got hired on or had maybe sprayed uh, house painting or bridges, water towers, and now you're asking them to just spray aircraft or high dollar equipment like that. And it uses different type of spray equipment technology that then has to be trained on. So that's where I think our program fits in is that we can train or adapt to whatever spray equipment each individual facility is using. We're a very unique program. There's very few that do what we do that are out there. So I think we're a very unique and hopefully we can provide this unique service not only just in Iowa, but uh, spread our message throughout. Our footprint extends quite wide. Chris Lampy, program manager of the Star 4D program within the Iowa Waste Reduction Center at the University of Northern Iowa. More online at iwrc.uni.edu. We connected by Zoom on Friday, July 23rd. By the way, last year alone, it is estimated that the Star 4D program saved taxpayers more than a half million dollars. Still to come, a presidential remodel and new uses for familiar products. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Next Generation Leadership Group, preparing family business members for executive-level responsibilities and ownership. For more, go to the Family Business Center tab at AdvanceIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from Iowa History Journal. The current July-August issue features a cover story on legendary baseball pitcher Dazzy Vance. Get your copy of Iowa's only popular magazine devoted exclusively to its fascinating history at Fairway, Ivy, and at iowahistoryjournal.com. Many regions rely on tourism for an economic boost. If you have a so-called destination attraction, that can provide enhanced tax revenue as well as visitor dollars directly for local businesses. One unique example in Iowa is the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library and Museum in West Branch. The Hoover Presidential Foundation this week announced a capital campaign with a goal of raising $20 million to renovate the library and museum. A capital campaign committee was announced with co-chairs Margaret Hoover, the president's great-granddaughter, and former Iowa governor and U.S. Ambassador Terry Branstead. 
The first official meeting of the committee took place earlier this month, on August 10th, President Hoover's 147th birthday. The last major renovation of the facility was completed in 1992. A new aspect of Iowa's charitable giving law is the Hoover Tax Credit, which provides a 25% tax credit to Iowa taxpayers who donate to the campaign called Timeless Values, Modern Experience. More information may be found at TimelessValuesCampaign.org. Coming up, innovation within the supply chain. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa. If business succession planning is on your mind, consider a worker co-op. The next free seminar on the topic is scheduled for Thursday, September 16th. For more, go to AdvanceIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for you and your farm. Join their growing family of more than 12,000 farmer members now during Soybean Month. Activate your farmer membership today at IASoybeans.com. Powered by the Soybean Checkoff. In this week's business profile, you'll hear from Daniel O, President and CEO of AgCertain, a food, agricultural, and bio-based product development, manufacturing, and marketing company. It's finding even more ways to utilize Iowa agriculture and expand its markets. We're building a modern, flexible, and agile business that really is focused on the combination of identity preservation, taking products all the way through the supply chain and getting them to consumers who really care about what they're getting and how it's handled and how it's produced along the way, and putting together flexible manufacturing so that we can process and create a wide array of food and animal feed and oleochemical products all in the same sites. We're doing that here in central Iowa. We've got a home office in Ames and our main manufacturing facilities out at Boone in the industrial park, and it's gone really well. We started in summer of 2019, so we've just passed a couple of years of operations. One of the reasons we got going is we, we realized that the market is increasingly choosy. <laughs> you know, that, that might be the best way to say it. When you think about consumers caring about what they're voting for with the dollars when they make purchases, next to that, the need for businesses, and we're a business-to-business company. We sell directly to other businesses that use ingredients. Those companies need a super high quality channel that can provide lots of specialty ingredients, for example, edible oil or USP refined glycerin, the two two product lines we do right now. They've got to protect their brand. Brand safety is a big, big issue. Sometimes a very small percentage of their total finished product has one of these specialty certifications and they need places like us that can deliver a really high quality assurance product. When we looked out there, we realized Iowa does wonderful, awesome commodity solutions at high value. We have some smaller producers, practical farmers, people like that that can do farm to table. But over the last several decades, things in the middle really got squeezed out. And there's an opportunity to build an integrated, highly refined quality product production system. 
So what is it that distinguishes ag certain from others? Is it the size? Is it the fact that you can do multiple things in the facility you've created? Or what distinguishes you from what was in the marketplace, picking up on what you just suggested? I think a couple things distinguish us. One is we're right in the center of agriculture, which is here in Iowa. And being in the cultivation corridor with Ames and Boone and all the talent that exists here is, is a big deal. Secondly, we have been assembling smaller, very flexible production assets under one house. So we can take truckloads or rail cars instead of unit trains. We can process in a very flexible, quick changeover sort of way at the right size for the businesses that we're working with. And that is unusual because most of the stuff that's built out there, you'd have to shut down, clean the facility for a week, switch it over, and most of these companies would lose money every moment they're running because they, they were built for a whole different size. So we had to scale our business to be able to do many things at once, have a paperwork and tracing system that can match all that, train our workforce so they can handle what really is a craft and artisan type production system, but do it in a way that top 100 companies will feel really comfortable with. It's a new set, new sizing of really high quality production. And that was interesting to me when you mentioned a moment ago that you're dealing business to business and these people need a guarantee that they're getting good quality material, that the chain of custody is pure, that they can rely on what they are receiving. Has that been an issue for these folks or where else would they get their materials to where, again, you're able to offer something unique? I think they have been able to get high quality product one product at a time from a company as their product lines have gotten smaller. So, so you know, when, when we all grew up, billion dollar plus food lines that are one family of products that we all go buy at a place like hy Well, now you, you can just look at hy and see how over time one aisle has become many aisles, which has become a big section. But each one of those products is more like a 10 to $50 million type product. And they, they all have their own special needs in terms of ingredients. And there are not many places big companies can go to get a lot of those ingredients at the same time efficiently manufactured. So I think there's a growing demand. And at the same time, as we're able to do this, I think one of the big derivative benefits is we're going to help smaller farmers have a channel to go through so that they could have higher value products on their farms and not have to be five, 10, 15,000 acre farms and get a higher return on smaller work on smaller farms. What interested you about taking on this challenge and ramping this business up? I spent quite a while in biofuels and biomass-based diesel. Really loved the value-added agriculture and the manufacturing side to it. And you saw around carbon intensity and environmental benefits from that, the tracing and tracking that is required to deliver that value. We want to support and grow agriculture further We want to do value-added work here in Iowa because that's the best way for us to keep the value locally. And the talent exists locally to be able to think through it. So it seems like the right time and right place. I think what people are starting to experience is the need to customize outcomes from the same original agricultural product. So we all grew up trying to feed the world and the country's done a wonderful job at it getting very large and having a commodity focus. Bigger is better, bigger is more efficient, bigger is more affordable. Well, now there's a need to be able to deliver 
corn, beans, hogs, all these other things in ways where people can say, no, I, I want to manage a certain way and I want proof that that will occur. And I can afford to do that. So if we sit here and say the top 10 to 30% of the country has food as a fairly small amount of their budget, so they really care about paying a little more to ensure that what they're getting is how they want their life to be, that requires a little bit of decommoditization. So I think one of the things people are realizing, Jeff, is the market is having to handle the same basic items in varying different ways. And it's going to cause us to have more compartmentalization, more bins, more tanks, more trucking, all these other things. And somebody's got to organize it. I think we can be one of those. And that leads to the logical final question. What's the future? five, 10, 15 years from now when we reconnect to see how things have been going? I think the future is happening now and we're testing as we go through. Uh, one of the things we're in the process of doing out in Boone and Industrial Park out there, which is a great logistics position to be in, is expanding our processing, expanding our footprint and looking towards new product lines that we can get out. We also already receive internationally from overseas a fair amount of raw material because many of these products with special attributes aren't even grown here or they're not grown in large quantities. So we have things coming from Eastern Europe, from Southeast Asia, from South America, and they end up here. I think we're going to see a lot more of that grown in the Midwest. I also think we're going to find a migration of producers who are willing to take some of their land and dedicate it towards certain farming practices. And another piece that's still commodity and they'll be more focused on using their data, preserving the identity of their products and getting paid more for it because the market will do that. So we're going to see more flexibility in the system and more flexible production. Daniel O of Ag Certain. We spoke via Zoom on Monday, August 23rd. For more information, go to agcertain.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.